Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night Fluid and Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness in the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good evening. It's uh, good evening. It's another another beautiful day in sunny California with our, you know, nonstop rain, 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 rain every day. Yeah. Um, how have you been surviving? Have you built an ark yet? I no, I have I have not built an ark yet. Um, I have I have, however, been trying to chase down a leak in the bus. Oh, um, which I thought a few times now I had found and plugged, and yet I haven't. Oh, <laughs> and it's not a lot of water getting in, but because a previous owner recovered the original um, vinyl camping interior mm-hmm. uh, with cloth, mm-hmm. right. It can now soak up water. Ooh, okay. So I, um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. And it just, unfortunately, I've got a, you know, rusty old bus that lived a lot of its life on the coast. Mm. Um, so it has, um, it has definitely found ways to let water inside. Again, not a lot, but mm. enough that I don't feel like I can just leave that, that camper cushion down. Hmm. Um, because I don't want it soaking up water and getting moldy and gross. Sure. You know? Um, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for spring. Yeah. I am ready for spring weather in spring. I'm not, I'm, I've, I've got rain fatigue. Mm -hmm. I'm over it. I'm really, really over it. Right. Um, when we have got snowpacks so deep in the Sierras that it, is burying multi-story buildings mm-hmm. and um you know super tall like ski lift um towers mm-hmm. um i think we're good <laughs> i think we got enough thanks right right um okay. anywho anywho yeah um so what have, what have you been up to seb anything exciting the past month oh uh, you know just work researching for our, our great shows that we're doing this season um, yeah. from the pages episodes where we kind of d- dig deep into older paranormal and bizarre stories that maybe been overlooked uh, for a while, you know? Um, yeah. Always some interesting ones. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with what we come up with. What's new in your world? Um, not a ton. Work is definitely keeping me busy. Uh, uh, you know, shoot, just being a parent is keeping me busy. Right. You know, making sure that the, you know, parents got two different karate things a week and uh mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just yeah I, I they're they're ready for spring break it's not coming for another couple of weeks here mm-hmm. i i don't know i'm i'm really thinking i'm like i just need like a day off just yeah. to do stuff around here and not be distracted by work um because work is busy mm-hmm. I hear that. <laughs> you know but we're we'll, we're all on the right side of healthy and the right side of the ground so no complaints there what about your weird world 
Well, I gotta tell Anything? you. Anything? You know, nothing Nothing weird happened to me personally, but there was one story that came across the wires that just knocked my socks off. Oh, boy. Um, recent reports of Ross Perot-like extraterrestrials. Yikes. What? Is this the 92 election all over again? I know, right? Ross Perot, our favorite um, little weird guy. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. This story really... I mean, so basically, there was a February article on liberationtimes.com okay and uh let me just quote a little bit alfred o'donnell a senior manager of eg and g oh okay the defense contractor that managed area 51 yep claimed that quote they did have a flying saucer that had been recovered from new mexico and quote a live being according to emmy award-winning investigative journalist george knapp who interviewed mm-hmm. him on numerous occasions. Knapp is best known for introducing the world to Bob Lazar and popularizing Area 51. Right, right. People people in the know know who George Knapp is. Mm-hmm. So according to Knapp, O'Donnell, when speaking about the being, told him, quote, we didn't know what it was. To tell you the truth, we couldn't communicate with it. In okay. The, in the beginning, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know where it, where it was from, and we didn't know what to do with it. Unquote. Oh boy. Knapp added that O'Donnell compared the being's appearance to former presidential nominee Ross Perot, unlike the classical gray-looking alien. <laughs> Generally speaking, Knapp has repeated some version of the story since the 1990s, but was prevented from publicly revealing the name of his source until after his death due to a promise of anonymity. Interesting. Yeah, and um, this guy. Alfred O'Donnell, he was a, a very major figure in this corporation, um, you know, that was basically the folks that the federal government hired to basically, as far as I can tell, build our nuclear arsenal. Um, uh, yeah, I think EG&G was also running uh, security on Area 51 for quite some time, if they aren't still. Totally. Um, so, yeah, this is just this weird little story, which would have been great, I mean, without the Ross Perot thing, but the Ross Perot thing kind of pushed it over the edge for me. To um, say the least. Because then it's like, you wonder, it's like, okay, was Ross Perot one of them? I, I mean, was, I can't remember if it was him or his VP uh, who, who in, in, a, uh, in a debate was like, who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> I know, right? Maybe, I mean, maybe he was an alien. He just didn't know, you know, where he was. And <laughs> yeah. It's, sure, why not? I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, it, it had a World Weekly News vibe to it, you know? Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's what's new in your weird? Absolutely nothing. What? Are you serious? Like, like, it couldn't be more just, like, quiet and uninteresting and just, like, nothing strange going on. I, I, will, I will always point people toward, like, the, the Haunted Objects podcast that mm-hmm. our, our, our friends from Hellier put out. <clears throat> Um, you know, they've got a, they've got a very interesting two-parter that concluded today. And part of that involved, um, them actually making a trip to, it's basically like a recreation of Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Oh, I've seen YouTube videos of that. It's and, like, a, and it's like an attraction, right? It, it is. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's some discussion of like young earth creationists and, uh, mm. uh, you know, man living with dinosaurs and all it really taught me was that these guys are just like flintstone super fans <laughs> i love it they're like i <laughs> wish we could have lived with dinosaurs so much because darn that fred flintstone he got to <laughs> yeah but do that's exactly right uh. yes 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 <laughs> no 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 uh. if anybody out there remembers that episode with barney and fred doing yes 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 and no 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 i love you forever you're awesome <laughs> 
Uh, we're old. We are. Oh, boy, are we ever. I'm 46 and a half now. Good Ugh. Lord. Um, hey, don't knock it, dude. You're turning 45 this year. 45 of your so-called Earth years. Of your so-called Earth years. Yes. <laughs> I think in dog years, that makes you, what, seven? Probably something like that. Something like that. I don't. Inversion. Dog years and human years. is <laughs> Iffy at best. Anywho. Oh, man. So we have got two fantastic stories for you this month. And uh, our very first month, I, I had Seb go first, and then I went, and then last month I went, and then Seb went first, or second, I mean. And um, so I, I flipped it back around yeah. this time. Um, so, Seb, take it away. Here we go. I'm going to title my story, The Big Old Billboard Blast. I like your alliteration. Thank you. So, um, before I get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to an organization whose website I and I think you rely yes. heavily upon to do research yes. for these episodes. Um, it's an amazing outfit. They're called the Archives for the Unexplained. Um, they were actually founded in Sweden in 1973. Uh, the acronym AFU, AFU used to stand for Archives for UFO Research, but in April 2013, they changed to Archives for the Unexplained. Um, their foundation is one of the, has one of the most complete repositories for, quote-unquote, phenomenal data and UFO-related folklore anywhere in the world. It is pretty phenomenal. Pretty, I'll give you that. Pretty phenomenal. They have a 20,000-plus yeah. title reference library with 88,000 magazine issues representing 8,000 annual magazine titles. Wow. Six, over 650,000 newspaper clipping, clippings, 30,000 photographs. U.S. News and World Report described it as, quote, among the most comprehensive digital libraries for UFO sightings. And they've scanned many of these older, obscure, hard-to-find um, newsletters, magazines, journals about UFOs and other bizarre stuff. Um, so, yeah. Folks, we, we, I, we tip our hats to you over there in Sweden. Um, so, yeah, so my story for tonight's episode uh, can be found in two articles in two consecutive 1953 issues of the APRO Bulletin. Published okay. By, published, yep, published by the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, uh, specifically Volume 2, Numbers 2 and 3. So We'll have links to those in the show notes, of course. Indeed. Um, so APRO, it was a UFO research group started in about 1952, um, and the famous UFO uh, scientist and astron astronomer J. Allen Hynek cited APRO as one of the two best civilian UFO groups of their time. In okay. Now, just aside from the story I'm going to talk about tonight, this is a pretty funky, cool newsletter. So if anybody out there in Radioland gets a chance to take a look at it, you might want to take a look at what I think is their best feature. They have a regular column, or did have a regular column, called the grapevine which was a place for rumors and whistleblowers to submit info so for instance the september 52 issue features an anonymous air force veteran who claimed to have seen flight suits worn by extraterrestrials at wright patterson air force base in 1949 and the flight suits were the, about the size like a two-year-old human child oh that's small totally i've had two-year-olds and they're not big i know that's like Great gazoo-sized, sort of. You know? Very much. I was thinking Vern Troyer, but you know that works too. Maybe, maybe bigger than Vern Troyer, but not by much. Great gazoo, yeah. I like that. <laughs> so I got to say... Keeping with the Flintstones thing. Keeping with the Flintstones thing. Exactly. 10 million strong and growing. <laughs> oh, um, so uh, to make a long story short, tonight's episode, or my story for tonight's episode, is basically about a alleged UFO sighting in Connecticut in the 1950s where the UFO smashed right through a billboard. 
fantastic. I got to tell you, when I saw this story, there's so many reasons I love this story. For one thing, in our last month's episode, I spoke about a UFO case that is actually really famous. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as I can tell, I've been unable to find any mention of this particular case for tonight's episode in any literature post the 90s. I mean, the dust on this case is pretty thick. Oh, boy. Um, It's mentioned by Donald Kehoe in his famous book, Flying Saucer Conspiracy. Okay. There's some notes on it from the Project Blue Book uh, microfilms at the National Archives. But the thing I love the most about this, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, uh, you and I growing up as kids, we we grew up with things like the of Hazard, Smokey and the Bandit, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. basically every other thing on our TV screen growing up was like a police car or some other vehicle smashing through something like a billboard or a semi-trailer or something like that, you know? Well, yeah, or even just in cartoons. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a, it's almost like a Wile E. Coyote thing, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I just love this. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, do a little, uh, bit of reading from the article. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. say, read the whole thing, but you know, it kind of the, 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 yeah, give it, give, give us the high points. Right. Okay. Blast rips sign in Connecticut. West Haven object pierces steel. The first material evidence of the solidity and reality of flying saucers. The case started at 9 p.m. on August 19, 1950. An object tore a gaping hole in a metal signboard at Middleton Avenue and Front Street in West Haven, Connecticut. A loud blast was heard, and many people in the immediate area rushed to their windows to locate the nature of the blast. A gaping hole was found in the metal sign constructed of 20-gauge galvanized steel. Officers at the scene soon after the blast was heard stated that the object or projectile must have passed through the sign with great force. Police are baffled by the source of the explosion, and a check of the area brought no solution. An investigation was initiated by a group of people who operate under the name Saucer Phenomenon and Celestial Inquiry, or SPACE. Nice. (laughs) That's Uh, fantastic. (laughs) And uh, who who are almost entirely a local outfit dedicated to the collecting of information regarding flying saucers. The president, Frank uh, Suraki? Suraki? I don't know, S-U-R-A-C-I, Sirachi, I, Sirachi, I think Sirachi. Sirachi. Frank Sirachi is a member of APRO, as is Joe Barbieri, their research director. On August 22nd, Barbieri and Mr. August Roberts investigated the sign and each lopped off a couple pieces of the metal, which bore bits of yellowish metal embedded around the hole. They found the metal had burst apart like the petals of a blooming rose where the object emerged from the sign. The paper on the other side had not been scorched, and a girder which bisected the hole was undamaged. Hmm. Barbieri talked to Captain McSherry of the New Haven Police Department. I love that name. (laughs) McSherry stated that the case was unsolved and invited Barbieri to investigate to his heart's content. (laughs) He then visited the precinct which handled the case. Read the report made by Donald Melvin. It noted... No wires, burns, powder marks, no clues. The sign was the property of the United Advertising Company. Barbieri asked the corporation for the whole sign, which he got. On August 29th, the sign company told him that he could come and pick up the sign. The head of the local high school science department was frankly puzzled when Barbieri showed the medal to him. He advised Barbieri to take it to Dr. Dirk Bauer, head of the Yale Observatory. Bauer, when confronted with the medal, admitted frankly that the available evidence be rather difficult to prove that the object had been a meteorite. Barbieri decided to call the FBI. 
the local FBI office said that it was a case for the local police and even <laughs> stated the thing may have been a hoax a homemade or a homemade bomb. Barbieri then began sending reports and clippings to all similar organizations. APRO immediately dispatched word that if a metal sample were forwarded, this organization would have it analyzed. Others that offered assistance included Gray Barker. Oh, boy. And George Adamski. Hmm. Oh, double oh, boy. Oh. On September 28th, pieces of the metal were sent to the director of the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. The director sent the pieces to the Anderson Laboratories Incorporated of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for chemical analysis. The report was that the inclusions were mainly copper, with constituents in too small amounts to be analyzed. Judging from the appearance of the sample, Mr. Buchholz, chief chief chemist said that he was led to believe that the metal was in a molten form when it struck and could not have been rolled in for the paint was not disturbed and by the same token could not have been pounded in hmm huh interesting yeah so i i i stumbled upon this article or two articles i should say Mm -hmm. and i just thought it was really interesting um here we have a a case of a UFO basically blasting its way through a sign. Um, well, and and of course, what I what I pictured when I first you know saw that you had picked this, and and you know you gave me the gist, right? Yeah. UFO smashes through a billboard, yeah. Right. What's the first thing that pretty much all of us see? And I bet you, you listening at home or in the car are picturing this as well. Is a big billboard yeah. for like i don't know brill cream or something yeah with literally a saucer shaped like hole like 20 feet long or something like yeah, yeah 20 feet wide perfect like lazarian saucer hole just punched right through it yep 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 and unfortunately the truth is a little more mundane than that um, it totally is keep going yeah because for me personally the thing i wanted to see the most was i need to see a picture of this thing you know what I mean? And I dug around and I poke around and I finally found that in 1957 there was a book titled Flying Saucers Fact or Fiction, which <clears throat> NICAP uh, graciously has an, a full scan of on their website. Nice. Um, and it had some additional information and photographs of the whole. And that's where ah, And there's our train. Yes, <laughs> there's our train, indeed. Um, you know, uh, to be fair and honest with the, the, the listeners tonight, I mean, the hole is about maybe, at best, maybe 12 inches in diameter. It, it looks like somebody <laughs> fired a cannon. It does. Through it, a billboard. It does. Um, that's exactly what it looks like. It's weird because right in the middle of a hole is like a metal girder that is undamaged. Mm-hmm. Which is, you'd think if it was a solid projectile, it would have knocked that off too. Yeah. Um, that being said, the, so, you know, my, the number one thing I wanted to find, I totally found, which was great. Uh, the second thing I wanted to find desperately, and I've been unable to find it was like, what was this a sign for? Was this a street sign? Was it an advertising sign? I mean, I guess it must've been an advertising sign because it was owned by the United Advertising Company or corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, you're exactly right. I, I, was it real cream? Was it, what was it for? You know, I think that would have been really funky. Um, is it even today in somebody's like garage, like the, like the descendants of Mr. Barbieri or something like that? Yeah. You know? Who knows? Cause I'm, I'm looking at the pictures you sent me mm-hmm. and, and yeah, there is this horizontal, uh, beam, um, kind of an L bracket shape mm-hmm. part of the billboard structure. Um, and it's, it's untouched. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost as though like, um, like an air can. It's the only thing I could compare it to is right. like a, somebody had like held up like a big old, like a potato gun with no potato in it mm-hmm. and just used the force of the air to punch through it. So it'll punch the, the weaker material mm-hmm. of the billboard, but leave the, the stronger uh, support structure 
untouched. Exactly. And and so this book, Flying Saucers, Fact or Fiction, it comes out maybe three or four years after the original article, three or four years after the original incident. So it had a little bit more detail about the investigation. Mm -hmm. Um, The book goes on to state that Barbieri and Roberts uncovered several disconcerting facts driving along a highway a few minutes past nine on August 19th. An unidentified man saw a red ball of fire trailing spark. As it crossed in front of him, the object grazed a treetop, rose slightly, and disappeared in flight. Suddenly, the area surrounding Front Street and Middletown Avenue shook with a thunderous roar. A brilliant flash followed. Lights dimmed. Several residents of the neighborhood said the New Haven Journal Courier newspaper in a front-page story uh, the following morning attracted to their windows and doors reported seeing the flash of the explosion. Others said they saw a flashing object tear through the treetops and disappear in the direction of East Rock. The fire department was called. They could find nothing suspicious other than a signboard with a hole violently torn through it. Barbieri found a witness who said the object, after hitting the sign, continued upwards, rising 20 feet in 300 feet of flight. Neighbors told us, reported Barbieri, that a stench like that of rotten eggs pervaded the area. I always find the sulfur smell weird. Right, yeah, that is a a kind of a, a... not too uncommon um, characteristic of some of these sightings. Yeah, but also sometimes Bigfoot sightings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and obviously there's plenty of people who believe in demons and stuff and, and associate that with it. I, I mean, these disconcerting facts strike me more as <clears throat> obviously this isn't, say, a saucer, mm-hmm. you know, a traditional saucer. It is a, you know, we, we get a, a glowing orb Mm -hmm. trailing sparks i mean this kind of has a bit of phenomena written all over it it does i mean one of the things that popped into my mind was okay is this could this be like a like ball lightning kind of situation right right yeah Um, but then we're left with the the residue of the copper that's embedded into the metal so i don't know what I mean, I, I assume ball lightning is a form of plasma, but I don't know if it would contain, you know, a, atomic metal elements. Yeah, I, I um, don't know that it would. I'm, I'm also not an expert on it by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, it does kind of, I mean, I do have to wonder, you know, how, how carefully were the samples handled? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, because there there certainly could have been contamination from other sources mm-hmm. uh, as stuff was cut off and handled and, you know, packaged up and shipped across part of the country. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this second part here, you know, it just. Uh, yeah there's it's it's got a weird vibe to it it's it's all i can say yeah i mean it doesn't it does whatever it is it doesn't strike me as maybe something that's being intelligently guided or or, or operated um, yeah or piloted although on the other hand i i do have a great affinity for the fact that there are so many apparent ufo stories crash retrieval stories that make me just wonder like okay these little guys are bright enough to fly halfway across the galaxy but they must be really bad pilots because they're crashing everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I've certainly heard that that argument made in terms of like, well, I mean, even when people talk about Roswell, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, this thing could, you know, fly, you know, trillions of light years or whatever. But it, it, it 
gets over a farm in New Mexico and, and <laughs> suddenly they, you know, now it breaks down kind <laughs> of thing. Hits a windmill and it falls apart. I mean, it's like. Right, exactly. For, for all those for all those folks that do believe in extraterrestrial visitation, I mean, you could almost divide them into two camps, half of which are afraid that these folks, these little guys are going to be, you know, evil to us, towards us. And the other half are thinking, okay, this is great. They have all this great technology that's going to cure all our diseases and fix our environmental problems. I kind of wonder if there might be a third option where it's like you know they're just so incompetent that neither they're they're neither a threat to us nor a help <laughs> you know yeah well i i <laughs> i kind of get what you mean there it's just like we've got this great technology see what it could oh we crashed yeah it's like oh oops i missed that billboard it's like boom yeah anyway yeah. so yeah this was just the story that i kind of you know i wish there was more i could really say about it um but that's kind of where my research kind of petered off because that's all i could find really um, you know if if nothing else i love the fact that you know there there is a place you could go visit i don't know that there's still a billboard there for any reason but you can still go to west haven connecticut you can try to find you know front street and middletown avenue i know right this this merits and be like look i've i've been here i've been to where this this billboard blast happened totally yeah i think this merits at least one clickbaity type youtube video you know oh for sure i mean they they, we have the old photos of what the hole looked like you know you could could go to the street corner where it happened you know maybe you know try to track down an older person who maybe had been around at the time i don't know yeah I don't know if we've got any listeners up in up in New England. Yeah. Uh, here's a here's a weekend excursion for you. Nice. Go go show us what this intersection looks like nowadays. No, I've been really excited all month waiting for your story. <laughs> I cannot okay. wait. All right. All right. Well, my story is is uh, curiously titled What Hits Nippy, <laughs> uh, which kind of has to be said like that, um, if only to cause your brother to laugh and cough uncontrollably. Um, I'm I'm going to put just a content warning out here since this does technically deal with um, a case of alleged animal mutilation. Mm. Um, it doesn't get kind of gross in details or anything, but if you are sensitive to that, be advised. Trigger warning. And wasn't Trigger a famous horse? Uh, Trigger was a famous horse. <laughs> here's here's a trigger warning. Trigger the horse is not in the story. Here's a snippy warning. Snippy is in the story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, for what it's worth, and I just, for whatever reason, I was trying to find, like, what is one of the earliest documented uh, um, animal mutilations connected mm. to a UFO? Mm. Uh, and actually wikipedia for as much as we go yeah well it's wikipedia uh does list this case as the very first mutilation case tied to ufos of the modern era oh wow it uh, it does also mention that charles fort was collecting some uh 19th century and early 20th centuries cases and it does kind of vaguely talk about john keel kind of investigating uh some mutilation cases in 66 um so maybe it's not the earliest even though they kind of say and it's it's wikipedia i don't know what to tell you but um this story actually comes i found it in a giant pdf of um ufo clippings it's basically somebody's um you know handmade put together ufo scrapbook oh wow that the newkirk museum of the paranormal um acquired and then um meticulously scanned and made available to its members last year so i can't point you 
exactly toward the articles that I read, unless you're a member or go become a member. But on page 106, that PDF, there are three articles from early October 1967 out of Alamosa, Colorado, Mm. in which the tale of Snippy the Horse is told. Sadly, we don't learn much about this three-year-old Appaloosa's life, but we do learn much about its death. See, it's believed Snippy encountered a UFO and its occupants. So um, the research gets really interesting with snippy here but first i'll read uh portions of the articles um and i believe these were written by different uh reporters in different local area newspapers um alamosa colorado if you bring it up on google maps it's southern colorado um you know so you're you're close to like northern new mexico it's kind of high desert area um in fact it's honestly alamosa's not all that far from dulce Mm. new mexico just putting that out there so one reporter says a nuclear physicist a psychologist and an animal expert now my mind goes walks into a bar (laughs) but that's not what he says have been dispatched to the remote san luis valley at the behest of the university of colorado's air force sponsored ufo study hoping to shed some light on the circumstance of snippy's demise yep yep and we'll talk about the san luis valley here in a moment if 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 you're into ufos you've probably heard that name before It was on a desolate prairie about 20 miles northeast of here that Snippy's carcass, strangely mutilated and lying in an area said to be highly radioactive, was found more than a month ago. Snippy's owner, Mr. and Mrs. Beryl Lewis, uh, first advanced the theory that their three-year-old Appaloosa gelding was killed by a flying saucer. (gasps) Yes, they said they see UFOs almost every night. Whoa. Yeah. Um, they said they found areas where the Chico brush had been squashed within 10 inches of the ground. What appeared to them to be 15 circular exhaust marks. I don't know what UFO needs 15. Jeez. Like rockets. Yeah. Anyway, were found 100 yards from the horse. Another area was punched with six identical holes, each two inches wide and four inches deep. Huh. Now, the news articles included in the scrapbook don't really address the question of any substantial findings regarding Snippy. Mm. Um, In fact, the two articles agree on the date of the discovery of Snippy's death. That would be September 9th. But one lists the location as 20 miles northeast of Alamosa, while the other says it's 20 miles southeast. Um, Both articles actually spell Burl, right? Mr. and Mrs. Burl Lewis, um, differently. Mm. One is B-E-R-L-E, the other is B-U-R-L. Alamosa is, as of 2020, a town of just shy of 10,000 people. Mm, That's nothing. So it had to be just an absolutely tiny outpost in 1967. Mm. So NICAP investigated the case and had four observers at the autopsy for Snippy. They also visited the site where Snippy was found. Uh, They returned to Denver with samples taken from the horse and, I quote, an object presumed to be a tool, Mrs. Lewis said she found on September 16th, which is only special to me because that's my birthday. Aw, but not in 1967. Uh, She uh, said she found the object on her second visit to the site. It was covered with horse hair, and when she tried to wipe the hair off, her hand turned red and began to burn. 
the burning persisted until she washed her hands. Oh, wow. If burning persists for more than four hours, please see a doctor. Uh, <laughs> please see nightcap. <laughs> yeah, please see nightcap. God, after this, I might need a nightcap, not a nightcap. But, uh, but hey, I'll be here all week. Um, the first article also included a seemingly unrelated and odd encounter. Like, I feel like the reporter was just trying to fill space at this point. Like, there was nothing of substance really in the article. And so the reporter goes on to say, Mrs. Charles Blundell. I don't know what it was with the 60s. Apparently, women didn't have names. Oh, I know, in right? The 60s. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Mrs. Burl Lewis. Mrs. Charles Blundell. You know what? I want to know her actual name. Come on. You're guys. your husband's what? property. You know? <sighs> yeah. What the hell? Gross. Anyway, Mrs. Charles Blundell, who has her own name, we just don't learn it. A Pagosa Springs amateur painter said a man who looked more sickly than spacely came to her curio shop and wanted to buy her painting of a UFO she'd seen. He said he'd get some earth money and come back this month, she said. Wow. Then he drove off in a car bearing Arizona license plates. Wow. I love it. I don't know what to tell you about Arizona. Anyway. That's any I know. Wait, wait, so, oh, hold on. So, yes. Pagosa Springs, is that anywhere near where Snippy the, the Wonder Horse lived? Or? I, Snippy the Wonder Horse. <laughs> I think the only wonder is wondering what happened to him. Um, Snippy! Let's look. Because you're right. We get Alamosa mentioned, yeah. and I looked at where uh, Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Bringing up Google Maps right now. Um, hmm. You know how you bring up... Uh, google maps and it'll list a handful of businesses in the area yeah one of them is high grade specialist dispensary oh <laughs> love you love you colorado don't change um okay so i you know i'm gonna do it this way because springs directions from alamosa and it is almost two hours away oh okay Right. It is an hour and 50 minutes west okay. of right. Alamosa. So okay. nowhere near right. Alamosa. Do we know what the UFO painting looked like? like no. The, the newspaper article didn't have like a picture of like... Uh, no, it did not, okay. right. which okay. is which is unfortunate. Right. Uh, did have a picture of a couple of people and an investigator looking at the remains of Snippy. Oh, Snippy. Yeah. So the, the San Luis Valley... Um, is actually very widely known and very renowned for ufo sightings Mm. um i i've heard of many i know back many 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 years ago i used to listen to a podcast called the paracast okay which is uh one that was hosted by someone that alan greenfield uh knows from way back named gene steinberg um and his co-host who's oh god my oh man i can't remember his name off the top of my head it's been at that long since i've listened to it um um but he kind of lives out in that area so he's always talking about the san luis valley and the stuff that is seen out there now one of the things that is out there not far from alamosa Mm -hmm. is known as the ufo watchtower Mm. the ufo watchtower is actually a place you can go and visit and um, they've got basically this structure built okay. um, because I guess the sky is so clear out there where you can actually go mm. and uh, go searching for UFOs in the sky. Um, so I'll throw a link to um, 
alamosa.org uh they've got a directory of the ufo watchtowers and it. it says arguably colorado's most unique roadside attraction the ufo watchtower invites extraterrestrial seekers and curious minds alike to the watchtower for a chance to spot an alien or a ufo for themselves awesome allegedly this location has hosted numerous ufo sightings over the years which could in part be possible thanks to alamosa's vast and unfiltered view of the night sky mm. the great sand dunes national park are right around the corner which have been designated as an international dark sky park because of Aww. the area's exceptional stargazing vantage point mm. um so we have that now getting back to snippy snippy Snippy. Um, there was a uh, a book called UFOs: An Insider's View of the Official Quest for Evidence, mm. which has to be said like that, mm. um, by a guy named Roy Craig, um, and it has some odd, conflicting aspects of Snippy's case. Again, this is a um, I've got it as a Google book, mm-hmm. so I will put a link to it uh, in there or in the show notes, I should say. Um, scrolling a little too fast here. Sorry about that. Um, so there was, uh, definitely some belief that, uh, Snippy's demise was actually a bit more mundane than, uh, uh, than previously thought. Um, but that's not to say that it's not, sorry, I'm just trying to get to it because, um, when you search it, it actually brings you to the end of like the chapter on it, which is weird. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm scrolling up. I'm scrolling up to it. Um, so let's see. Um, additional discoveries were made before, uh, Fred and Fred is, I think an investigator in the case here. Anyway. Um, sorry. Uh, additional discoveries were made before Fred got to Alamosa, and the newspapers had new fuel with which to intrigue their fascinated readers, most of whom apparently wanted it to be true that Snippy had been done in by visitors from outer space. Mm. A prominent Denver pathologist and blood specialist who wished to remain anonymous, of course he did, had performed an autopsy on the Appaloosa and found mysterious uh, absence of expected contents of the brain cavity, spinal column, and abdominal cavity. He told the Associated Press that absence of organs in the abdominal cavity was completely unexplainable as there was no sign of entrance into the horse's body. The absence of the abdominal organs and brain did not surprise the pathologist too much, however, for he had read of similar incidents in other countries. (laughs) Yep. Um, So he was most puzzled by the absence of any material in the center of the spinal column. Support to the belief that the horse's death was UFO-related was provided by the fact that after the pathologist returned to the ranch house, he and the entire ranch group stood on the porch and watched two unidentified flying objects pass over the house. Um, so Fred Ayer, who is this Fred that we were talking about, reported that the claims of high radiation counts in the area were false, and the vicinity around Snippy was so thoroughly trampled by the several hundred curious people who had been there <laughs> that investigation of broken bushes was not worthwhile. <laughs> yep. Mm. Um, so 
he called for expert assistance uh, from Dr. Robert Adams, chief of surgery at the outstanding College of Veterinary Medicine at Colorado State University. Okay. Dr. Adams found evidence on the badly decayed carcass that the animal had suffered from a severe infection in the hindquarters that was adequate to cause the animal's death. The throat of the dying animal probably had been cut with a knife in the final act of human mercy. Sorry, a final human act of mercy. Watch me mix up my words tonight. The absence of nervous tissue from the brain and spinal cord and viscera from the abdominal cavity was the normal and expected condition several weeks after death. For as Dr. Adams pointed out, these are some of the first tissues to degenerate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm. I am I am by no means an expert on um, veterinary medicine mm. or um, animal mutilations. Um, or how things decay, or in what order they decay, and nor would I ever purport to be. Um, so, you know, when most of these cases are like, oh, look how cleanly surgically cut some of the stuff yeah. is, I, I'm not yeah. one who can easily judge. Now, one last bit out of this book that I will share. <clears throat> um, this... Uh, is a snippet from four months later a newsletter the nightcap massachusetts subcommittee Mm. which has as its chairman one of the most level-headed and capable ufo investigators carried the following additional data on snippy nightcap has informed the chairman through the affiliate subcommittee newsletter that several curious aspects have evolved from university studies of snippy the horse these aspects include get ready for this the horse's bones have turned to dust what portions of the horse's flesh were cooked that the animal's tail glows in the dark and that a black goo-like substance from underneath the carcass which turned to white powder contains unspecified living organisms holy cats although strangeness credibility and detailed knowledge of ufo events all seem to increase proportionally with geographic distance from those events i was rather astonished to read of these weird developments on snippy's remains this is the author speaking now for just the prior evening i had seen a tv news item showing snippy's full and firm skeleton as it had been reassembled for display in alamosa during the reassembly dr leary who is the veterinarian who has the bones had found two bullet holes in the right thigh and left pelvis which seemed very probably related in quotes to the infection dr adams had noted at last resort at last report excuse me snippy's skeleton was still a prime tourist attraction in alamosa what oh yes because before I even found this bit of book, mm-hmm. I came across the fact that so many decades later, yeah. Snippy was still making headlines. What? Yep. So here's one from the Alamosa News um, with the headline, After 50 Years, Snippy Still a Mystery. <laughs> so this would have been 50 years. That would have been, what, 2017, I think? Okay. Yeah. So this was posted September 29, 2017. Um, and it really, it kind of covers just the basics of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really illuminate a whole lot of new information. <clears throat> although it does say here, although the carcass had lain exposed for several days, it was not bloated and the smell was not that of decomposition. Mm. No predators, vultures, or buzzards had found it appealing, though the flesh at the base of the neck was pliable. I mean, I'm going to question it just because you're there looking at it and buzzards aren't on it. it may just mean that the buzzards don't want to be around you. Mm. The horse's footprints ended about 100 feet from where the remains lay. 
no other prints were around. The Lewises found 15 burns that could be circular exhaust marks. There's those 100 yards north of the carcass. They found a three-foot bush and bushes within a 10-foot radius of the bush. Okay, that okay, that that's just redundant. That's just find another. The editor find, speaking. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, dude, this is my job. Yeah. You say bush like three times in ten words, and that's too many. It's too much bush. That had been flattened with 10 inches of the ground. Six, You know, the, the, again, it's that same information that we mm. have out of the original. Um, but but wait, there's more. There's more. Oh, yes. I'm not joking. In a 2006 article, I realize I'm going back mm. rather than forward. This one from the Denver Post. And I will, of course, have links to all of these in the show notes. Um, with, I would say, probably the better article titled, Town Gets Snippy about skeleton of mutilated horse good job good job denver post <clears throat> okay get this she stands quietly at the back of an empty room inside dell's insurance agency <laughs> just off the main street she's little more than bones and big shiny teeth and she's at the center of a controversy involving an ebay auction lawyers and ownership rights oh, God. <laughs> oh yeah Okay. The bones, of course, are not those of the cracker-nibbling Hollywood actors because they make a Nicole Richie joke, uh, which is totally in bad taste. Um, they are the bones of Snippy, a horse that, depending on who you talk to, was A, ravaged by creepy aliens from a UFO in a bizarre animal mutilation experiment 39 years ago, or B, shot in the behind by a couple of gun-toting teenagers who are all liquored up. <sighs> Gotta love it. Gotta love journalism. Another possibility involves aliens beaming themselves across the galaxy in some type of molecular reconstruction vehicle, landing on Harry King's ranch just north of town, shooting Snippy in the butts with a rifle, then vanishing back into the stars. Although, frankly, that scenario seems a little far-fetched. You don't say. Snippy! <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Snippy, excuse me, Snippy, a three-year-old Appaloosa, died in a meadow in the middle of the night in early September 1967. Some people said there was no blood around the carcass. Sheriff investigators and veterinarians studied the case and determined positively, without question, that Snippy was dead, all right. Hmm. They didn't agree on anything else. <laughs> yep. So, man. Okay. So, long story short. Yeah. Um, in 1968, the town veterinarian, Wallace Leary, had Snippy's skeleton mounted on a metal platform. Okay. Right? Bones held together, wires and screws like you would. So in that condition, Snippy traveled around the San Luis Valley town. She spent a few years on the sidewalk in front of the Chamber of Commerce. She was in a museum for a while. She ended up in an abandoned house oh. on Carl Heflin's ranch for as long as two decades oh. i'm sorry but if you if you want a surefire way to like haunt the skeleton of a potentially mutilated by aliens horse leave it in a house for two decades to just sit there and i don't know stew in its mood uh, yeah okay yeah no one seems to know how heflin obtained the horse bones they do know he liked to collect things he had for example two railroad cars resting on his property good for him one was filled with fiberglass shower stalls because why not the other box car was stuffed full of doors so what we're saying is the guys from monsters inc were 
recording all these doors in a boxcar in Colorado. But Heflin died in 2003. He left the shower stalls, the vast collection of doors, and Snippy to a beneficiary, reportedly a nephew. Mm. A few months ago, Snippy was dusted off. Heflin heirs wondered what the skeleton might be worth. Someone mentioned eBay, the internet auction site that makes it possible, because that's what the ads were saying back then. Perhaps to purchase a chunk of Babe Ruth's earwax. Thanks, Denver Post. I did not need that visual. So here we go. Frank Duran, a marketing specialist with Dell's Insurance, was hired to sell the skeleton. The minimum bid would be $50,000. $50,000 in 2003? Uh, in 2006. 2006. Okay. Holy uh, cats. Oh, no, no. No, you're right. It was 2003 because that's when Heflin died. Sorry. 2003. Yep. Uh, Snippy was the very first horse thought to be involved in alien mutilations, Duran said as he led a reporter through the insurance office and into the room where Snippy stood on her platform. Maybe she was abducted by aliens. Maybe she was the first. Then Duran moved around to the horse's rump and pointed out a pair of indentations and fragmented bones. Eh, vet said those are bullet wounds, Duran said. The sheriff thought maybe a couple local kids did it. Who knows, really? A lot of people still believe that UFO story. But what does Duran think? Well, he thinks a horse that died during a freaky medical experimentation by aliens from a unit far, far away is worth a lot more on eBay than a horse that was shot in the rump. <laughs> the auction was set to begin last week. Okay, so no, the auction was in 2006. Oh, okay. Uh, the Valley Courier newspaper in Alamosa made the announcements. Suddenly, a lot of people began laying claim to Snippy. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Um, relatives of the late Nellie Lewis, the woman who owned the living Snippy, said they still own the skeleton. And the Alamosa Chamber of Commerce hired an attorney and argued the bones were given to the chamber decades ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> On Friday, Chamber of Commerce President Deborah Goodman started a snave, uh, sorry, a snave, a save Snippy fund. <laughs> save Snippy. Save Snippy. <laughs> I'm going to put up a fight to get Snippy, she said. She's an icon to this valley. It's important that she stay here and represent that mysterious period in our history. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I look, I mean, there is as as of as of reading this article, there yeah. is no settlement. I'm sure there has been since. So, wow. So 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 like, do you know, as of like right now, is there like a museum I could go visit Snippy at? Like, do we know? I, I think there is a place you could go visit Snippy at. I don't know exactly okay. where that is. All right. But it's presumably like some sort of public venue as opposed to some reclusive billionaire who just bought Snippy and is now in this like mansion. I, I would like to think so. Okay. Um, that would take a little bit of digging around. Yeah. Um, although, what is this at abebooks.com? Oh, no, shut up, shut up. No, 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 no. Bones in a Boxcar, The Investigation of Snippy the Horse by Herman Doty Jr. I'm not trusting any book by a guy named Doty. Somebody wrote a book about Snippy. Yes, there's a book about Snippy. There's a whole Snippy Bones book. in a Boxcar. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Published so, in 2007. Is it, is it, it's not a children's book. It doesn't look like it. No, no, no. Wow, Snippy. So many, oh. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. September 1st, 2022. Hold the phone. Hold the phone, people. folks. Mysterious horse on display at UFO Watchtower. Oh, it's at the Watchtower. Hey, perfect. Yep. That's and where there, it there, And there is a picture yeah. of Snippy Skeleton. I am going to put a link to this article Snippy. in the show notes. I'm putting it right <laughs> Snippy. Oh, my good heavens. <laughs> yes. 
this is this is fantastic so yeah if you if you head out to the ufo watchtower in alamosa you will get to visit snippy the horse and the little sign underneath and that says do not touch that's not snippy <laughs> wait wait so what's your what's your gut feeling on snippy where do you come uh, down on the issue of snippy? What are, what's your thoughts what's you know I, I mean i i don't even know that i'm gonna say it's tough to say because my gut really does kind of probably fall in line with the snippy got shot okay like like somebody popped a cap on snippy Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get it. It's way, way out in the middle of nowhere. Like, like multiple articles indicate that it was probably northeast rather than southeast. Mm-hmm. And so it really is kind of the middle of nowhere out there. So 1967, it's not like people were out there in like ATVs, you know, mm-hmm. unless, you know, you happen to be near to like some little side road. Mm-hmm. That a couple of like drunk folk were going down. I don't know why I make them drunk because <laughs> you know you do stupid stuff when you are, I guess. Um, like and fill a boxcar with yeah, like fill a boxcar with doors or shoot a horse in the butt. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, do I want to believe? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, you know, um, the San Luis Valley is is a very weird place from what it sounds like yeah there's been lots and lots of sightings um you're not all that far from delce new mexico if that is to be believed as well mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean would i like to believe yes um do i necessarily believe no but quite honestly the very interesting part of the story is literally everything that's happened since 1967 well man this is an ama- i love this story this story is it's an epic. It's an epic tale that's still being written as we speak. Yeah. Um, I I love his name, Snippy. I wish I knew why they named him Snippy. Did he, like, bite things with his big teeth? Maybe. Um, I wish I knew what this weird, mysterious tool that they found. Yeah, there's there's been there's been some speculation on that. And that it, it may have just been, like, some sort of, like common farming chemical that just oh. irritates the skin uh-huh. um so it's i mean it's again it's tough to say because you know you don't see a picture mm-hmm. of this alleged tool right. um so it could be any any number of things one of the things that i seem to recall was that part of the country let me back up i mean there's there's as far as I know, when it comes to like animal mutilations, there's basically three schools of thought: mm-hmm. extraterrestrial, like natural phenomenon that's just being misrepresented, like coyotes or whatever. Right. And then the third one was that it's actually like secret government agents or something. And, right. And one of the things I remember reading is that I think that part of the country, like northern New Mexico, southern Colorado, is kind of where they had something called Project Gas Buggy. Uh, yes. Yes, and, I believe that came up in our Dulce episode. Yeah, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember if if Project Gas Buggy was before or after '67 because mm, good I, question. I think I think there's some people that think, and and just for our listeners, Project Gas Buggy, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was an effort by the federal government to to investigate the feasibility of using underground nuclear explosions for like like uh, oil mining, like drilling, basically. Right. Um, right. So, hey, really quickly, Project okay. Gas Buggy yeah. was an underground nuclear detonation carried out by the United States Atomic Energy Commission on December 10th, 1967. So it's after Snippy. After Snippy. Three months after okay. Snippy. Okay. So that's 
that rules that out because I think what some theorists have speculated is that this Project Gas Buggy thing, which was basically just like totally didn't work. But yeah. what it was really good at was like contaminating a lot of great farmland with radiation. <laughs> like supposedly like it's government agents killing and mutilating cows to figure out on the on the down low like how bad the radiation poisoning was or something. Right. Yeah. So this is this is interesting. So you found out that it, it, Snippy wouldn't have been killed by secret Project Gas Buggy agents from the Gulf Tribal No, not I mean not unless there had been some earlier like undisclosed one. But right. I I okay. doubt that. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. Interesting. What's what, what's your take? What do you what do you think? What do you make of Snippy? I, uh, other than just you know the tale of everything since has probably been more fascinating. Than yeah. I mean, what I, actually killed Snippy? I loved. I mean, I'd love to know if his bones today have any residual radiation. Or, I mean, presumably that's something that could still be tested. Um, sure. I loved the the part of the book where it talked about like the glow in the dark tale. Yes. And like all sorts of weirdness going on. Um, you know, based on my story earlier tonight, the idea of a extraterrestrial vehicle being piloted in a, you know, in a not very, you know, expert fashion. I, I wonder if maybe it was just a matter of a UFO that bumped into Snippy and Snippy died that way by accident. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I love the story. I love the idea that it's become almost like a tourist attraction. Completely. Um, I think that's that's the most important thing. Um, I, it's and that's that's you know you see that pop up a lot. You see that with Point Pleasant. You know that that gets mm-hmm. talked about in Hellier. Um, is that you know we and we talk about it with Hopkinsville. Is that you know these weird thing hap- these things happen in like small liminal areas, mm-hmm. and then these people who live there have the choice to either kind of like shove it aside no it didn't happen we don't want to talk about it or embrace it Mm -hmm. and it becomes like an attraction it becomes a money maker for the area and it and it kind of keeps that area alive and and it kind of seems like we get that a little bit with alamosa between the ufo watchtower and snippy's bones it's amazing to think that presumably potentially (laughs) at one point in time i could have or anybody could have bought snippy yeah right um, which is amazing. I mean, that's got to be one of the weirdest things I've ever heard for being offered for sale on eBay. And there's been some weird stuff. Yeah. Um, for sure. I really want to go out there now. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I haven't seen stars for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a part of the country with clear, I mean, clear, you know, skies that have, don't have light pollution, you know? And I, I miss stars, you know? Yeah. It's to really, really get out there. And, yeah. and it, because, you know, we're, northern california bay area sacramento all that kind of stuff um there is a lot of light pollution here Mm -hmm. um there are definitely some places you can go that's not that far away where you can get away from a lot of that light pollution and yeah this guy's amazing yeah yeah i love it snippy Snippy. yeah we raise a toast to you snippy (laughs) i'm just sad now that we're gonna have episodes in the future where i don't get to say snippy oh i I mean look i'm not gonna stop you (laughs) if you just want to like drunkenly shout snippy snippy sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if there's like a t-shirt like a snippy t-shirt or you know if if there isn't there needs to be yeah you know yeah i 
I would be shocked. This 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 requires some searching, but not at the moment because at the moment we're gonna have follow Seb down into the archives oh. because he's gonna dig into the old timey, like the really old timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, I haven't even looked at this yet. Oh, oh. Okay. What do we have this month? Well, uh, we have an article from the uh, weirdly titled Daily Blade Tribune newspaper. Wow, this is they reporting on like knives i know you'd think so i think it's from southern california um december 31st 1957 new year's all right and the article is titled anti-gravity plane newest soviet claim okay london the soviet news agency tass reported Mm -hmm. today that russia is working on a plane quote not subject to the laws of gravity unquote for trips into the universe, the existence of plans for what Tass has called a gravity plane <laughs> was disclosed in a published interview with a Soviet space expert, Professor Cyril Cyril uh, Stanyukovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanyukovich. Nicely. Oh, thank you. Nicely pronounced. Thank you. Stanyukovich told an interviewer that the problem of travitation will be clarified, and to some extent in the forthcoming year travitation i have no idea what that word is. i wonder if that's a typo it might be maybe gravitation i don't know yeah um the soviet government oregon Ivestia, Ivestia? anyway uh reported at the same time that russian astronomers are calculating the best trajectories for flights to the moon and other planets the newspaper uh said also that soviet scientists are developing a new design for a reflector telescope to probe the heavens it said this will be superior to the american reflector that is now considered the biggest in the world oh yes because they've got to make something bigger and better than ours yeah i yeah i love how this news article ends with you know by the way our soviet's uh, uh space telescope is going to be better than your capitalist pig space telescope nah. that's exactly right <laughs> anyway um this is just this bizarre little article i found that i really loved because it, it really is not a like paranormal story but um i mean it does play into the idea that uh you know what if some or uh, or more than some ufo reports are actually human built vehicles zooming right. around you know right yeah. That, that somehow there's some technology either homegrown or we stole it from aliens where we can, you know, we can play with gravity or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here, apparently, the Soviets are claiming, you know, either, you know, rightly or as some sort of weird disinformation campaign that they are on the breakthrough of of realizing this this technology and naming it something really dumb called the gravity plane. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep going, guys. Uh it just it just really caught my imagination, you know. There's so many UFO reports around nuclear facilities, military bases. Could it be the Soviets just trying to buzz us? Check it out. Check out. What well, we got. yeah, and and I think I mean 57 was also Sputnik, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, like once you've got you know the first satellite in orbit, mm-hmm. it's like what else could they be coming up with? Oh right, yeah. You know the mm-hmm. the imagination kind of. Um, kind of spirals out from like, oh, well, if they've done this, maybe they've conquered gravity. Right, right. And put it on a plane instead of, I don't know, any number of other things. It's interesting because right around this time period, mid-50s, there's actually a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there's a number of articles in American like aviation journals and whatnot and other publications that kind of talk about efforts by, um, you know, Lockheed, McDonald, Douglas, those types of big companies Mm-hmm. to develop um anti-gravity technology and, yeah. and stuff so it's so it's interesting it's like you know 
were they really doing this? Was this a situation where, like, they really were on the breakthrough of some, you know, the verge of some sort of technological breakthrough and then it got all hushed up? Or was it, like, the kind of thing where, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the um, the CIA at some point later in the 70s, like, was interested in, like, psychic abilities because they thought the mm-hmm. Soviets were interested in psychic mm-hmm. abilities. So maybe it's like they're thinking, hey, if the, if the Soviets are investigating anti-gravity, we should investigate anti-gravity, you know? Yep, I don't exactly. Know think, you know, but it was just this funky little article that, I mean... That's a new one. Yeah, I've never heard of this uh, claim before, you know? Yeah, so, I like it. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Good times. Snippy! Snippy. Snippy. <laughs> I miss Snippy already. If if anybody wants to make some Snippy fan art. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Send, send it to us, and maybe we can talk to you about turning it into a t-shirt or some stickers. Snippy. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm starting to get ideas, and I really wish I was I was more of an artist. Right? Than I am. Just, you know, some sort of, like, sticker with this horse skull on it. You know, <laughs> justice for Snippy. Totally. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for this month. Thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that (laughs) surrounds us in Southern Colorado every day. (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at All Night Geeks. You can follow me at BusBuddha71, and you can follow Seb. At Clan McMuffin. Hey, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, the Alamosa Daily Podcast News. I don't know. Uh, And be sure to rate and review us as well. Just as importantly, please, please, please share us with your friends. Don't you want your friends to know about Snippy? I'm sorry. I'm making it like like your story didn't even happen in this episode. Uh, Don't you want your friends to know about giant holes punched (laughs) in billboards? I'm Team Snippy tonight. Don't worry. Okay, okay, okay. Team Snippy. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around, and we would appreciate if you tell at least one friend and two horses about the podcast. (laughs) Big thanks, as always, to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Please go give them a follow over on the social medias and head up to theghouliesdenver.bandcamp.com. It's a mouthful to buy their music. We've got merch, and who knows, we might be coming up with more here shortly. That's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's right, shirts, buttons, definitely some stickers. Go check that out. And thanks, as always, to Kate the Steam-Powered Mouse for doing the show's artwork. Um, if you want to throw a few bones our way, uh, keep the lights on and the hosting going, you can do so over at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Oh boy, that is it for us this month. We will catch you next month. And in the meantime, get out and find something weird. Good night. Good night, folks. Started a snave, uh, sorry, a snave, a save snippy fund. Save snippy. Save snippy. <laughs> <laughs>